0: Good evening and welcome to the Overtime Heroics Baseball Podcast, Cheap Seats Chatter. I'm today's host, Matthias Saltman-Kurosaki. With me, as always, we have Ryan Potts and Alex Clark. Gentlemen, we've made it to the end of the first half. How are we all doing tonight on a fine Sunday evening?
1: I am mad at one Austin uh, Riley today. Uh, he threw away the game um, in the second inning. Just totally missed a throw to Matt Olson. Uh that was sad it, it was a strider day i was super pumped for it to be a strider day i was walking around my house like saying it's strider day was like getting, you know like getting amped up for the game and then austin riley throws it all away and victor Robles hit a home run uh that was not great um other than that, I am vibing. Uh, the Braves are two and a half behind the Mets at the All Star break. They are the number one wild card team right now, which is, you know, all it takes is making the playoffs. That's what I tell all my Ravens fans, friends. That's what I told Braves fans. You know, just make the playoffs. Things can happen.
2: Celebrate good times. Come on. I am absolutely vibing right now after the Mariners today, my Seattle Mariners, we'll talk about them more later in the show, have reached a feat that no team in baseball has done before of getting 14 consecutive wins going into the All-Star break. I am on cloud nine. My team is looking unstoppable at the moment. I am... So happy right now to be a Mariners fan, which means I, I'm inevitably going to crash down to earth and probably sustain several injuries within the next couple of months.
0: You know, obviously I'd be doing better if the Mets won today, but honestly, I'm fine with how the Mets did this week. You know, Splash, obviously we had a big series. Uh, the Mets and Braves faced off and that was, a, it was it was an interesting series. I think the Mets Braves rivalry is definitely going to be amped up this year. Uh, so the, obviously the Mets took two of three there and then took three or four this weekend in Wrigley, which, you know, people say, you know, the Cubs are not a good team this year, but the Mets hadn't won a series at Wrigley Field since I was in seventh grade. So you know what? I consider that a victory. Anyway, I mean, I'm, I'm vibing though, you know, like I, like we said, we've made it to the all-star break and I'm excited because the home run derby is tomorrow. That means I get to watch Pete Alonzo try to, win his third straight home run derby. So I'm hyped there. But anyways, something else that happened today, which was both exciting and also a little sad for me because it means players who are four years younger than I am are now getting drafted to play professional baseball. Uh, it's the MLB draft is today. And there there was a lot going on, a lot of interesting picks. Some sons of former big leaguers getting taken. Jackson Holiday going first overall. Drew Jones going second. Justin Crawford just going to the Phillies. Guys, the draft was draft is looking pretty exciting. What what are you what are your biggest takeaways from today? So
1: I I know I am a co-host on a baseball podcast, but I don't really necessarily get excited about the MLB draft like one might imagine. Like the, the names are great, the holidays, Jones, Crawford, even Kumar Rocker, but I also know in the back of my head, these guys aren't going to be relevant for two or three years. And even like some of the better, like the top five picks, the top 10 picks, just because it's baseball, they don't pan out. And I don't, does that take any of the allure from the draft from you guys? Cause I like watching the NFL draft and the NBA draft for a while. I liked watching it, but now it's a bit of a, Oh, the top three matter. And then after that, it's, Oh, I don't know who any of these guys are. So do you guys like enjoy watching the MLB draft or is it a, okay, that happened. Um, I'm going to still carry top 10 prospects more than, Ooh, they, they drafted a guy in the third round that can throw 97.
2: My main idea with this is that I don't care as much just because unlike the NFL draft, unlike the NBA draft, we're not going to see these guys until like 2026, 2027, if at all. And in like in the, NBA draft and the NFL draft we see these players make immediate differences but in baseball it was a long time before we see anything remotely from them and you know while that's okay I like you know I don't really care so much for the draft as much as just for you know who my team picked like for my Mariners we took in as the Mariners took it with the 21st overall pick Cole Young a shortstop from uh, North I'm probably going to butcher this name North Allegheny High School and so like, okay, cool. We got, this another shortstop in the future. <laughs> Yay. But I mean, I just, I don't really care. Like, like you said, Splash, after the first few picks, it doesn't really feel like it matters all that much. Cause I mean, yes, we're gonna see players that are going to do amazingly well, yes, we're gonna see players that just completely flop. I'm always gonna remember though, the, the first year that MLB network televised the draft and uh, invited all of these prospects to come to the studio and only one showed up. I hope he did well. His name was, uh, I'm checking my notes here. Michael Trout, uh, Michael Trout. Uh, I mean, the Angels, they didn't even take him with their first pick in, their, in that round again. And they took someone else with the 23rd pick. So the 24th, they, they just got this little high school kid. But anyway, like it doesn't seem like this has near as much fanfare as any other. And I, I get why. We're not going to see these guys for a long time. We're going to hear about them in papers. We're going to go and see, like, see all the highlights from their first go through rookie ball and all that. And it's just going to be business as usual after that. We're going to care more about free agency. Care a lot more about the uh, trade deadline that is quickly approaching. <laughs> that fun stuff. So no, it, to me, like, the draft doesn't really have as much meaning for baseball as it does like for other sports.
0: You know, and I think one thing to keep in mind also is that, Splash, I think you sort of hit on is that there's so many rounds in the MLB draft. That's the thing, is that I, even with them cutting it down in recent years, like there's still, I believe, 20 rounds in this year's draft. I mean, heck, Mike Piazza was a 62nd round pick. I mean, you, you there's so many rounds. That's why not as many people watch, you know, not – not many people watch every single day of the draft, but the first day is always sort of intriguing for me. And I will say one thing, because in the past, obviously it was just like, you know, held at the office and kind of closed off to the public. But now they're trying to hype it up. You know, they're trying to, they do it during All-Star Weekend now. You know, now now the public can be invited sometimes. Like, it's, it's getting more of the hype, Now, I think, compared to the NBA and NFL draft, obviously it will never match the hype, though, because, like you guys said, we're probably not going to see a lot of these guys for a while. I know for myself, I'm watching who the Mets took. The Mets took Kevin Parada, who's a pretty good catcher at Georgia Tech. But it, it made people wonder, like, all right, so he's a catcher. What about Francisco Alvarez? He's also a catcher. Although I'm hearing that Parada might not be a catcher long term, and he was a monster at Georgia Tech. And then they took another guy, Jet Williams, who's a shortstop. And, I mean, he's he's from – he's in high school. So, like, I for all I know, like, it, it's going to be a while. That's the whole thing with – you know, we always sometimes talk about, you know, the guys who are draft bust. And really, it's hard because what about injuries? You know, what if players just, like, don't meet expectations? It's always very hard to reject with uh, the MLB draft. So, really – I'm always intrigued by the draft but bear in mind that these kids are a lot of them are teenagers and it might be a while before they're actually in the majors any any
1: other thoughts yeah I I do want to say that obviously this is a huge moment for all the players getting drafted I'm not trying to rain on any parade here Um, it's just a it's just different from the NFL draft it's different from the NBA draft and heck there's the international player pool that that's different and you have players entering. It's just a different level. It's like entering the English football pyramid at the fourth tier, rather than the top tier, like the NFL draft, the NBA draft. And it's just like that infusion of talent is coming from underneath rather than just being plopped on top. Like the, the Bengals with the fifth overall pick in the draft could take a guy that may might be the best wide receiver in the NFL already within six months of him being drafted while you know the uh the orioles take jackson holiday number one overall he might not play until 2026 imagine if an nfl player the number one pick in the nfl draft didn't play until 2026 imagine if uh imagine if the Jags took trevor lawrence and he didn't play it down until 2025 like it's just different so Congratulations to all the players. Congratulations to the players that will go in the subsequent rounds. But it's just different.
2: Yeah. And kind of how – kind of going along that, yeah, I don't want to rain on the parade of any of them. Being chosen by a team that says, hey, I want you to be part of um, – I want you to be part of this organization is a huge honor. But um, kind of on that same thing is that when you get to some of the later rounds of the draft – if you if you get selected and you still have college time a lot of times you're going to go back to college just to keep playing and try to increase that kind of draft stock um on top of it also sometimes it just really doesn't matter like we brought in mike piazza is a hall of famer and he was drafted in the 679th round but um on top of it like i was also watching you know a mariner game recently and they brought it this up and it just made me feel like oh it sometimes just really doesn't matter where Penn Murphy struck out the side, like while Cal Raleigh was catching where Cal Raleigh was a third round draft pick and Penn Murphy was a 33rd round draft pick. So sometimes it really just doesn't matter. Like we have some players that are number one overall picks that just don't pan out. And, so, like, I mean, wasn't Mark Appel one of those as well? Like a number one overall? Yeah, that's just finally got to have his debut because he kept grinding. So, you know, again, good on him. But sometimes we have number one overall picks that don't pan out. And sometimes we have people that are drafted in the rounds that I can't even count up to that end up becoming major league all-stars. So when it comes to all this, the draft, yes, it's cool. Yes, it's bringing in new talent. But at the end of the day, there are other things to look forward to.
0: Yeah, and I will say, I mean, look, Jacob deGrom was, I believe he was a ninth round pick. And he was a shortstop for most of his college career. That just so happened to become a pitcher. And I remember he had Tommy John surgery, too. I mean, you don't you don't see that happen too often. Meanwhile, the Mets also, back in 1966, took Steve Chilcott first overall, who was a catcher. And Chilcott never made the majors. Oakland took some guy out of Arizona State with the next pick named Reggie Jackson. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of him, but I heard he ended up being pretty good. So obviously that was a whiff. I mean, we've seen other things happen. But then there's times like, you know, you know, with the signability issues. Remember when the Astros drafted Brady Aiken and then didn't sign him. So the next year they had the second pick and the fifth pick. They took Alex Bregman and Kyle Tucker. I mean, that's just... I, I don't I think, often that, I think enc-
2: that I think that worked out pretty well for. I mean, sports. I don't often
0: encourage tanking, but like the Astros made the tanking work. and I'm not referring to the trash cans either. They just did a great job scouting. There's a reason why the Cardinals hacked into the Astros computer system because the Astros knew those scouting reports. um anyways, <laughs> moving right along <laughs> I mean it, it's true uh, I mean, that was
2: uh, okay, fair enough, fair enough.
0: I mean it's it's true. I mean the, the Astros scouted very well. But anyways, moving on, you sort of mentioned it for a second Alex, but your Seattle Mariners are on fire right now. They've won 14 games in a row. Remember they were 29 and 39 after dropping 4 or 5 to the Angels last month. And they all of a sudden are 51 and 42. I have never seen a team turn their record around so quickly. They're 22 and 3 in their last 25 games. I mean, just tell me what's going through your head right now.
2: I think I started, I I think that turned out really well at the beginning of the show. I went, celebrate good times. Come on. No, like, as a fan right now, I am absolutely on fire. I am excited. Like, I was actually at a Red Robin earlier today having lunch when the game finished. And just seeing that final out happen, yes, it was a five-run lead, I'm sorry, four-run lead. But, but you're still excited because it's it, it something that has never been done has happened the Seattle Mariners are the first team in major league history to have a 14 game winning streak heading into the all-star break that's more than any other team in history and I'm just excited that on top of it with every one of these games they fought none of these games were win it's like we're just you know given to them and on To add a little bit more to, I was listening to the broadcast, and over the course of 14 games, over the course of the 14 games, seven of them, seven of them, they were not the first team even to score. That usually, that completely bucks the normal trend, where usually first team score gets a huge advantage of trying to win the game. Look, this team has been fighting, and they've been doing it with all these unlikely people. I saw a stat a little bit ago that was talking about that since the winning streak had started, eight different players all recorded the game-winning RBI, eight, with the most being uh, one player having three different game-winning RBIs. The fact that they're getting all of this production from all throughout the lineup, one through nine, all of them are producing and producing at a high level. And even if guys don't have the highest of averages, it's always a different hero every game. Cal Raleigh is just barely batting above the Mendoza line, but he's been hitting homers like nobody's business. And including today hits uh, like, excuse me, hit a two run home run that gave Seattle a two to one lead over Texas. All these guys are doing incredible work. And that's, what's fun to watch. The pitching has really settled down. I remember we were talking earlier that Robbie Ray was starting to look like a bit of a, of a one-hit wonder with Toronto, and was going to be a bum with Seattle, and not so much now. Over the last several starts, he's given up I think less than four earned runs total, so that feel free to fact check me on that one. But like this team has been insane to watch as a fan. It's been fun because these guys are just having more and more fun with every single game, it's really bringing back the idea of the fun differential. Because these guys, if you actually have ever watched any of these games, after every single one of the wins, everyone in the infield dances together. Everyone in the outfield dances together. And it is so much fun to watch these grown men playing baseball and remembering that they're playing a game. They're having fun. And that's the reason why they're winning. Their mentality completely changed. And I'll tell you the exact moment where it changed. You guys know it just as well as I do. The brawl in LA completely changed the fortunes for Seattle. After that game, after that game, Seattle has gone on a tear. Over the last 29 games, mind you, Seattle was 10 games below 500, 29 calendar days ago. Today, they are now nine games above 500, this team is special. This team is finding ways to continue to win and it's coming from everywhere. We've talked about here, I brought up earlier Penn Murphy, where a 33rd round draft pick that was brought up earlier this year, just as depth. Like he wasn't meant really to be anything more than a stopgap while some other guys were becoming healthy again. And he's been absolutely incredible. Like I, I'm sorry, I'm going to dwell on this for a second, but Penn Murphy right now, on the season right now has a 2.72 ERA with even a save under his, as I no, sorry, no, no saves. My apologies, he doesn't actually have one to start technically, but 45 strikeouts and has been amazing. Like watching him play has been incredible. He has done amazing work from the bullpen where I sometimes trust him more than a lot of our other guys, even though we have people like. Ken Giles or Andres Munoz, Paul Seawold. I sometimes trust Pan Murphy a little more than them. I wouldn't say Seawold has been absolutely incredible, too. I'm not even going to get started on that. But uh, also, a Mets legend Paul Seawold. But I just watching this as a fan has reinvigorated my love of baseball again. We often make jokes that being a Mariner fan is almost the same as being a masochist. We almost enjoy the pain at this point. But especially with a 20 year postseason drought. But watching these games, I have never felt my love of baseball this high. I have really never felt it this strong. And it's finally the youth movements that we've been talking about since before the pandemic, the youth movement that has been such a key focus on this team ever since the second year that Jerry DiPoto took over this team. It's finally actually happening. It's finally actually showing its face. And its face is Julio Rodriguez, Ty France, Cal Raleigh, uh, Logan Gilbert, X, and I can I for love God cannot cannot not say J P Crawford, the emotional soul of this team. So so I just went on a full on rant there, but I'm so happy to be a Mariner fan right now.
1: So in 2021, the Mariners had a fun differential of plus plus nine. What is the fun differential for the 2022 Seattle Mariners?
2: Fun differential right now is probably at least 200 at those moments with how much fun everyone is having on that team. And then the fans are having like, it's fun. I was driving down the waterfront earlier today and I saw more people wearing Mariner jerseys or at least Mariner gear than I had ever seen. And by the way, there wasn't a Mariner game in Seattle today. The game was in Texas and people were still wearing the things. like. I I just love seeing the people actually get behind this team. Just not like, and I, even if you're a bandwagoner, I'm okay at this point. Like, you know what, come on. Oh, boy, we're finally glad you're here. We, we left out snacks for you 20 years ago. Sorry, they're a little stale now. But I'm just so happy to see that people are actually excited about this team again. Like last year, what, the, last year they were so close. Being able to be part of that final series against the Angels, I was at two free games. I have never seen a building rock like that. And to come that close. Oh, that you could tell a fire in that in those team's hearts right there. There was a fire in JP Crawford's heart especially. And now the team is doing well. The team is doing exactly what they said they're
0: going to do in 2021. The fun differential is extremely high. I mean, splash. I mean, obviously Alex is the Mar- resident Mariners guy, but I mean, what, what are your thoughts on this run?
1: Um, As a uh, fan of a team that has also gone on a 14 game winning streak this season, it's just exciting. And even um, I had, there were moments in that win streak that, you know, this is more exciting than it was last year. This is more exciting than, you know, some playoff games. Obviously it's maybe not game six exciting, but it's, it's really like Alex said, invigorating to see, like watch your baseball team win every day for two weeks, right? Every, every day you can pencil in three hours that I'm going to be happy today. And that's um, in the world we live in, that's exciting. And that's, that's uh, one of the pleasures of baseball. One of the pleasures of sports in general, that when it's going good for your team that can infuse itself, not just those three hours of the day, but you like walking down the block. Yeah, I'm smiling. You know, my, my team's on a 14 game winning streak. Ty France is an all star for the Mariners now. Congratulations to uh, Mr. France. And it's just a vibe and it's, it's good vibes. And I'm really happy for the Mariners. Um, and hopefully they can make the playoffs.
0: Yeah. And re- really, I mean, because you go back to the beginning of sort of beginning of this history. So I'm talking after they lost that series to the Angels in mid June. You know, okay, you start out that hot streak. All right, you sweep Oakland, whatever. You went two of three from the Angels. All right, still whatever. You take two of three from the Orioles. This is before the Orioles went on that their winning streak. So it's like, all right, they take two of three from the Orioles. Then they take three of four from Oakland again. All right, so you're facing a bunch of cellar dwellers more or less, you know. But then, you know, they, t- they sweep the Padres at Petco Park. That's a big one, because I understand the Padres are struggling right now, but they're still a pretty good team. And then they come home for four with Toronto, and the running joke is that every time Toronto comes to safe field, it's a home game for the Blue Jays. Well, the Mariners swept all four games, and that, in my opinion, shows what this team is made of. And obviously, you go two more wins against the Nationals, another sweep against the Rangers. This team is just firing on all cylinders right now it's the hitting it's the pitching it's the bullpen everything is going their way right now and it's it's really really fun to watch you know real i'm just i'm i'm really happy for them seriously like all all around they're playing great you know i think yeah yeah no
2: no no sorry no i was just agreeing with you go for it no
0: oh yeah no i'm just like you start off you know whenever a team goes on a winning streak there's always the doubters about. Oh, they're just facing, like, weaker opponents, but I think they showed against those Blue Jays that they're for real. Toronto was all of ours preseason picks to win the World Series. And I understand they're underperforming, but still, they had some, like, late comeback wins. Carlos Santana with a couple of clutch homers. These Mariners are exciting. You know, they the, the pitching staff is rolling. You know, Robbie Ray's really turned the corner. Julio Rodriguez has really rounded into form. Uh, Alex, you mentioned him. Cal Raleigh's been fantastic behind the plate. He's hit 12 homers since May 15th. You know, he's actually tied for the American League lead in homers by an American League catcher, and he, he's just – he's improved overall. He's up to a 755 OPS on the year. I, this, this team is just rocking and rolling. Ty France was named to the All-Star game today. That it's just, it's an exciting time to be a Mariners fan right now. And I'm really happy for them. You know, I I have no conscious memory of the Mariners playing in the postseason. I want that to happen this year. The one thing, the one tough stretch they have coming up is out of the All Star break, they have three at home with the Astros, then obviously three with the Rangers, who they've proven they played well against, then a big seven game stretch where it's four with Houston on the road, three with the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. And then after four games for the Angels, they have three more with the Yankees at home. So, obviously, facing the Astros seven times and the Yankees six times in, like, a two, three-week stretch, that's tough. But other than that, I like where they are right now. So, I'm excited to see how the rest of this season plays out and really really happy they're succeeding. But anyways – I am – yeah.
2: let me say one last thing if you don't mind yeah so i just want to say that like especially like you you brought up the idea of you know not playing the toughest of opponents during team game stretch you know that's 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 a little accurate i would say but also not at the same time during the stretch the first game that started this was against oakland which you know okay yeah that's fine oakland's bad we get it san diego's not bad (laughs) san diego's not a bad baseball team toronto not a bad baseball team. Very, very good. Yes, a little bit underperforming, but still a good baseball team. After that, Washington Nationals, yeah, you know, still a pretty bad team overall, but still, has been, again, did win a World Series a couple years, a few years ago. Texas Rangers are overperforming to a lot of people's expectations and are starting to finally come back down to earth. I don't see any teams in that besides Oakland that, and potentially Washington, that
0: are Washington has the worst really, record in baseball right now. So is that again? Washington has the worst record in baseball. Yeah.
2: Washington's, yeah, Washington is bad. Yes. But like, other than that, like these teams are good. The teams that Seattle has gone on this on this rampage during have these are not been freebies. Have these been the best teams of baseball? No. Have they been the worst teams in baseball? One of them was, but no, this team is playing exceptionally well baseball. And um, I now have my note I'm going to say at the very end of the show, but I just want to say a very quick thank you to Julio Rodriguez. Thank you, Ty France. Thank you, Jesse Winker. And also thank you to, the, to baseball for understanding that Ty France is good at putting him in the dang All-Star game. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he resp- he uh, replaced that, uh, that guy that was drafted earlier. What was it? Uh, Michael Trout. Uh, he, yeah, yeah know, he he's a fish he's
0: name. Still. I know. and he, He's, yeah, from he's, New he's Jersey. a fishy
2: boy. Very fishy boy. Um, but no, yeah. So Marathon, absolutely happy. Thank you so much for the, for also sharing in my happiness with that.
0: Yeah, for sure. And speaking of which, uh, today we wanted to talk about midseason awards since we are through the first half right now. And I think why not segue into the first one being the American League Rookie of the Year. I think right now we all have the same winner. If I'm not mistaken, right now we have a slam dunk first place finisher for the American League of the year. Uh, Alex, I know he's your guy. Why don't you talk to us about Julio Rodriguez?
2: Julio! Julio Rodriguez, oh my gosh. Okay, I'm going to try not to be as Homer-ish with this one. I'll be, I'll be just real with it. Julio Rodriguez is playing at an unreal level right now. Remember, this was a guy that at the very beginning of the season was batting under the Mendoza line for the first month of the season and continuously was just striking out off of pitches that weren't in the zone. I mean, we did a whole podcast about that. But no, Julio this season is playing unreal. Like, since that stretch right now, he's currently, over this course of the season right now, batting two seventy two with 16 homers, even a few triples in there as an OPS plus of 132 for a rookie. That's insane. And OPS overall just right now of 807, but get this, this is the stat that I really like to see here. He currently at this, at this moment right now has 51 RBIs right now. Baseball reference has it as 50 that's because it's going to be updated later. He got an RBI, uh, an RBI in today's game, 51 RBIs for a rookie at the halfway point, right? Now he is on track to get hundred. Like, as a rookie, that's insane. Like, this is a guy right now that is on track right now to becoming one of the faces of the franchise. Julio has been playing excellent baseball, and it's really fun to watch. On top of it, he builds up everyone. That's why I like. The true definition of a leader is not, can you lead people? The true definition of a leader is, can you build others around you? Can you build others up around you? And that's exactly what Julio does. People rally around Julio. People want to see Julio play. The the mayor's organization and the players within it want to see Julio play. And that's what's really interesting about him is that he is a player that brings others up, which is something that I can't say for any other rookie here. Yes, the some of the other rookies are doing pretty darn good. But, I mean... <laughs> We we had discussions at the beginning of the year about that this was going to be a really exciting year for the rookies. Like this is going to be the rookie of the year conversation was going to be really tough between guys like Julio, Bobby Witt Jr., Torkelson. Right now, Julio is just kind of blowing everyone out of the water in the American League. At least I will get to the National League. Don't worry, don't worry, Splash. I know you got a couple, but right now in the American League, Julio is. The front runner, slam dunk, number one. I will not tolerate any other foolishness.
1: Uh, may I now begin the Jeremy Pena propaganda part of the episode?
0: You can try. I will end I mean, you. Splash! I don't. I don't, I don't Splash! Know I will that, end man. you. <laughs> I mean, you, you can try with Jeremy Pena. I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I think Pena is all you can. Pretty solid here, but.
2: You can try, but then I will ratio you, Splash. Okay, so look, I was a big Peña
1: guy early on. He was a, had great defensive stats, was a great hitting. He's missed 20 games more than Julio has. At this point, it's like if, I don't know, if Seattle gets hit by a meteor tonight and Julio happens to be at the ballpark, okay, then congratulations, Jeremy Peña. But I think it's, and I, heck, at that point, you might give it to, Julio anyways because this is rookie of the year not mvp and julio has been the best rookie in the american league i think even if you just said he, even if the mariners said scott service said we're going to save julio for the playoffs this is dumb don't agree with this but it, let's say we're going to save julio for the playoffs he has a 91 game limit it's like an innings limit for pitchers but 91 games okay he's probably still the rookie of the year let's be honest here um he's head and shoulders i think clear opinion Peña. now. pain is easy number two i think that's pretty clear um but i think julio is it clears he's on pace to steal 40 bases nearly 40 bases probably 35 35 or so but how many guys in baseball this year are going to hit 25 home runs and steal 35 bases like julio maybe acuna if he gets a power surge in the second half that's it john birdie's not hitting 25 home runs Tommy Edmonds not hitting 25 home runs. There are very few players that have the skill set of Julio Rodriguez, and he is showing it in full force as a rookie, which is incredibly impressive. As Alex mentioned, the 132 OPS plus, 21 steals so far, 16 home runs, 17 doubles, um, and solid enough defense um, in the outfield uh, as the primary center fielder. So I I think it's a slam dunk.
0: And really, I understand that Bobby Witt Jr. has been solid, although – he needs to work on drawing some more walks. He has hit 15 homers, which is nice, and he's improved. And much like Rodriguez, remember Rodriguez got off to a slow start. I, Not to toot my own horn, but I was at the best game of his career early, early in the year when he got four hits against the Mets and hit a homer. I'm not trying to say I kick-started Julio's season, but I kind of did, I think. Uh, anyway. No, regardless though, I'll, he's I'll
2: in, thank it, you yes. for it. I'll thank you for it. You're, uh, you're also, welcome. If I, remember, if I also remember, that was also the game where Cal Rowley hit a game-winning home run. Baseball turned into being the game-winning home run. Against yeah, your so Mets. you're
0: you're you're welcome. I kick-started the season for the Mariners, is what I'm saying.
2: To, uh, to quote one at Maui, what can I say except you're welcome?
0: Exactly, you you're welcome, Mariners fans. And, anyway. And it also, I mean, Rodriguez is going to be in the home run derby tomorrow, which I'm very excited for. He's, I'm, I believe, he's the first Mariner in quite some time to compete. So that's going to be great. Also, he steals a lot of bases, like we we've been saying. So, I mean, 16 homers. Uh, I believe he's getting close to 20 doubles, two triples, 21 steals, 132 OPS plus. I mean, he's playing great defense at center field. I, watching him play center field, man, he's got range. He covers a lot of ground in center field. So, I mean, the the other guy we were really considering back at the beginning of the year. Well, we had two other guys that were heavily in the conversation, which were Spencer Torkelson and Joe Ryan. Ryan has been injured, and Torkelson just got sent to the minors today, which is really unfortunate. He un- he just looked overmatched in the majors. I think Torkelson is a very bright future ahead of him, but right now, much like Jared Kelenic last year, needs some time in the minors. Maybe he comes back up, performs better later, but. All right, so we have Rodriguez as the slam dunk in the AL. Let's go over to the NL because I don't know if there's a, as clear of a favorite here. Slash, so I know your Braves have a couple guys who are in the running. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Um, Yeah, so the thing here is it's a two-horse race. Both of them are the line of Braves. Like, with all due respect to the likes of O'Neill Cruz, Brendan Donovan, Alec Thomas, Hunter Green, Mackenzie Gore – it's a two-horse race. You look at the betting odds, it's a two-horse race. You look at any like rookie of the year ladder, it's a two-horse race. And I frankly am in the camp that it is a one-horse race, that being the horse of Michael Harris II. And the impact Harris has had on the Braves, take out the stats. I'm not going to use any stats of Michael Harris, but what he brings – In terms of lengthening the lineup and in terms of an ability to move Adam Duvall into left field, move Acuna and Ozuna instead of having to play both of them in the field and then having Duvall play center field, that has just been integral to the Braves' success. And he was called up at the end of May when the Braves were sputtering, still below 500. And you you call him up, you add a guy that can hit the baseball right? You add a guy that runs well, that fields well, that has the five tools. And I talked about it the first podcast after he got called up, Hey, if he doesn't hit, it is a, even if he doesn't hit, it's a win for the Braves because he's a left-handed bat. He's great defensively. And he moves Duval to left field and Ozuna can be the primary DH. You can give uh, Acuna the occasional DH day like they did today. Harris has exceeded any of my wildest expectations. I thought he was going to come in, be a good defensive player, and be an automatic out in the nine-hole. He has been a lot more than that. I'm not going to use the stats because I didn't. I said I wouldn't, but he's been a lot more than that. And he has been a energizer bunny to this team. And it's funny because you look at the team and you're like, "Oh, Acuna has to be the energizer bunny." Nope, Acuna hasn't been the best player since you know since Michael Harris got called up. Michael Harris has played 47 games. He has been the most important brave in that 47 game stretch. I know Dansby has been unreal. I know Riley has been like actually Barry Bonds the last two weeks. Uh, Matt Olson has all the doubles. Strider has been great. Strider has been excellent. We can talk about him at nauseum. Freed's been great. Kyle Wright has been great. Every one of the Braves is cooking, but the, the, um, the one that stirs the pot is Michael Harris. And I think he should be, maybe not unanimous rookie of the year in the national league, but I think you should have the conversation of he is that gap is as big as Julio and Pena. Yeah.
2: I think overall that's, um, I don't know the Braves as much as Splash, as obviously, as that's kind of impossible for basically anybody at this point. But no, I'm with you that Michael Harris, I think, should. Like, what from what you're talking about right now, the two that we were really bringing up, at least from the Braves at that point, were Strider and Harris. And for Harris, I just think that overall, the, the gap is just really good for him. Looking at what he has done, like you said, great defense that has been able to give a lot more flexibility for the outfield for the Braves, as well as, you know, he's hitting at a pretty solid clip overall. You're not going to use the stats. I didn't say I wouldn't. He's done pretty well. So far, a war of 2.0, pretty, pretty all right on the year. So far, pretty all right. 284 average and an OPS plus of 123, not bad at all. And an OPS of eight of 823. Like, I mean, he's done exceptionally well and having those good feeling sets overall for him, I think makes it a pretty easy pick overall for him. I can't think of a lot of other rookies that really come close to what he has done, not just for, not just for himself as a player, but what he's done for the Braves overall. Like you said, whenever you have a player that plays solid defense and lets you have more flexibility as a team overall, that's that's a very big thing here the award is for the rookie of the year and rookies normally are told all right just go do your job no he is defining his job right now and he is giving this team right now so much more as I more to work with by being that left-handed bat that is doing good at hitting homers getting on base doing pretty darn good in the field I think right now it's Harris
0: yeah, and the thing is, so for a while, I was thinking Strider. The one thing with Strider that I'm a little concerned about, and I'm not talking about him having a rough start today against the Nationals, really, he's, he hasn't thrown more than 94 innings in a professional season, and he's already at 70 and a third this year coming into today. So eventually, he might have to move to the bullpen. So he has a great arm, don't get me wrong. And I watched I watched him pitch against the Mets on Tuesday. He's got electric stuff, really. I think he's got he's got a big arm, great velocity, great movement. I just think eventually his arm is going to tie a while. I look at Harris, who I also got to watch play, and I love watching Harris play. Like, like Alex mentioned, already two WAR in forty seven games. That's great. This is he is eight homers and ten steals. I can very well see him being a twenty twenty guy by the end of the year. He's playing great defense too. Already six defensive runs saved. And he's basically exclusively a center fielder, you know, kind of the way Andrew Jones was when he played in the majors. I mean, I think Harris eventually will end up running away with this just because while Strider has been great, I think, you know, the Braves are going to want to preserve his arm for October eventually. And so I I think Harris, you know, he plays every day, gets the job done. He can hit basically anywhere in the lineup, in my opinion, lead off ninth, anywhere in between. So yeah, I have, I have Harris right now as my winner. So anyways, moving on to some pitching, uh, let's talk about the American League Cy Young because I think there's a clear favorite here, but I, I feel like there could be some differing opinions. Uh, what Who do you guys have in the AL Cy Young race?
1: Uh, I believe I called this uh, preseason, and if I didn't call it, it was the number two option. But one Mr. Shane McClanahan, I think is the clear, uh, I think he's the clear Cy Young right now uh, in the American League, leads the American League with a 171 ERA, leads the American League in strikeouts to so the two parts of the Triple Crown that are important, 211 ERA plus, that's 111% better than the league average, a whip of 0.795. We are talking about a whip in pedro territory in justin verlander territory yes justin verlander's having a phenomenal season i'm sure one of you will touch on him in a little bit but when your whip starts with a zero as a starting pitcher that's great when your whip starts as a 0.7 you might be pedro martinez we are approaching this level this is what corbin burns was doing last year with FIP. he was approaching pedro levels congratulations to shane mcclanahan uh, he's approaching Pedro levels and whip. He is allowing 5.6 hits per nine. That is ridiculous. He leads the American league is 7.74 strikeouts to walk. He's striking out 12 batters per nine. He has he only a 3.8 war, which seems like it should be a lot higher, but he has just been a phenom here in his age 25 season. It's finally coming to fruition. Remember he made his play. He made his debut in a playoff game. One of the handful of guys to ever do that. And he actually might be the only guy if if my memory serves. But, anyways, I think he's the American League Cy Young. There are plenty of great candidates in the American League, but I think McClanahan should be the choice right now. And I don't see why he wouldn't be the choice moving forward. He also leads uh, American League pitchers and wins if you count Otani only as a pitcher, not as what he does uh, as a batter as well. Um, and that he has a 0.6 gap, which is fairly decent for me being July 17th.
2: I mean, yeah. So we've, you brought up slightly Verlander and just to kind of bring up some of his stats overall, he has a three war on the season. He is pitching absolutely phenomenally right now. Again, three a 3.0 war with over 100 innings already under his belt and an ERA of sub two is always going to be fantastic. The problem is, is that McClellan is doing better basically in every way, in almost every way. A 3.8 war. With an ERA of 1.71, and like you said, a whip of under eight as a starting pitcher is stupid. Like, like, legit, that's just stupid. Watching him play baseball, watching him pitch the way that he is, it's insane right now. The, strikeout, the strikeout-to-walk ratio of 7.74 is something that I'm always going to be drawn to just because I like it when pitchers strike out people, and I like it when pitchers don't walk people very good to see right now already on the season i mean look this dude has played 18 games and has already struck out 147 batters (laughs) what do you want what do you want McClanahan has been absolutely phenomenal this year and right now he is my number one verlander again like like we said earlier he's having a phenomenal year especially with how old he is again like what He is, this is his age 39 season. we're still talking about him. Phenomenal job Verlander, but McClanahan right now is just doing better.
1: So I wanted to throw one more stat in for Mr. McClanahan. Uh, Obviously the season's not over yet. So this is subject to change, but here's the comprehensive list history of baseball. Every pitcher that has thrown 110 innings in a season and has a whip lower than 0.8. Here's the list. Are you ready? Shane McClanahan right now, Walter Johnson in 1913, a year that he had a 1.14 ERA, the aforementioned Pedro Martinez in the year 2000 and Clayton Kershaw in an injury shortened season in 2016, that he only threw 149 innings, probably should have won National League Cy Young if he had more than 149 innings. So congratulations. Shane McClanahan is on a historic pace.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to second what all you guys had. I mean, the you know, thing is, I will. I have to give props to Justin Verlander just because, I mean, he's 39 years old and the year he's had. I mean, 12 and 3 with a 180 ERA and he's still working deep into games. I mean, it's really hard to go against Justin Verlander. But at the same time, when you look at what McClanahan has done, I mean, like a 10 and 3 record, 171 ERA, best in the majors, 140, 147 strikeouts, best in the majors. Whip is best in the majors. The, the strike-out-to-walk ratio is best in the AL. I mean, 12, 12.0 Ks per nine against 1.5 walks per nine, that's insane. So, I mean, the th- Verlander is probably my runner-up. And then Altani I think, definitely deserves some love, too. Dylan Cease has been pretty good. Uh, Kevin Gausman is actually leading the league in Whip, uh, not Whip, 5th because he does not allow many homers or walks. So Gosman's also been great, but I think McClanahan, he was my preseason prediction. Uh, Splash. I can't remember if you took McClanahan or Tarek Skubal, but. Okay. I, I did
1: take Skubal. I did take
0: Skubal. Oh I, I made a
1: video about it and McClanahan was my pick for like, who would be the best pitcher in the American League East.
0: Yeah. So. Also, you know, the whole thing with pitchers on the raise is that, oh, they don't work deep into games, you know? Well, through 18 starts, McClanahan's thrown 110 in two thirds innings. That's averaging basically six, a little over six per start. So I think, I think McClanahan's the clear favorite here. And we're going to move over to the National League, where I think, once again, there's a clear favorite here. Um, I mean, I don't know what else to say about this guy, but I'll, I'll let you guys talk about uh, the National League Cy Young.
1: I think the real question here is not who will win the National League Cy Young. It's how to properly pronounce his last name. I go with Alcantara, like Alcantara or Alcantara, well, I I emphasize the con in his name. And of course I'm talking about Mr. Sandy, the Sandman, Sandy Alcantara, a 176 ERA. He leads the majors with two complete games, 19 starts, 138 in the third innings. He has pitched like eight innings in like the last 15 starts. It feels like every game you watch the Marlins, if you see S period Alcantara in the, the pitching line, it's just the bullpen gets a day off for all intents and purposes. He's faced 524 batters so far. He leads the major leagues in with an ERA of two, three or an ERA plus of two, three, three ladies and gentlemen, we have what Zach Wheeler thought he was last year, a high volume guy who is elite. He leads the majors in both batters face and ERA plus that is the, the efficiency needed to do that is comical. It is as if Matt Carpenter, remember the Yankees legend who has a higher slugging percentage so far than Barry Bonds had in 2004. Um, it would be as if he played the entire season, hit like 85 home runs. That's essentially what you're seeing out of Sandy. A uh, point... a. 0.94 a 0.904 whip, which is great. Striking out eight batters per nine. Second time he's an all star, and this time he's a deserving all star, unlike the first time that he was just the Marlins selection. I'm really happy for Sandy, he has been phenomenal. I do not envy teams that face him, including my Atlanta Braves. So, congratulations, Sandy, for running away with the National League Cy Young in a very talented race.
2: Yeah, I mean. Look, it's kind of funny, actually, when doing some notes, like one of the things, if you Google Cy Young for 2022, the first thing it's going to bring up is the Cy Young predictor through ESPN. And I just want to say how much of a joke it really is, um, as it says that Sandy Alcantara is not number one. No, it says that the number one should be uh, Tony Gon which don't get me wrong, Tony's had himself a really good season, war with a 2.02 ERA and just under a hundred innings pitch and even a whip of 8.843. Like that's really good. Overall an ERA plus on this season as well of 205. Yeah, that's really good. Oh, wait a minute. There's a problem though. That's a Sandy Alcantara is being amazing. Sandy Alcantara on this season right now, a 5.3 war, is pitching complete games at a rate that is unseen, basically. Like, this guy already has two full complete games and is already a, a league-leading 138 in a third innings pitched. And get this as well. Like, this is just insane to me. The ERA+, plus, I thought that was one that was – at least, you know, you could probably give that one to him, right? We could probably give that one to Gonzalo with a 2.0, Was with a 205 ERA plus. Lol, no, an ERA plus of 233 for Alcantara. What do you want in another pitcher? This is a guy that has been absolutely insane. And like you said, Splash, this is a guy that when he gets... It was like when you see that he's pitching, the bullpen basically could just take the day off, just send in a couple of guys. The other one's are over at Buffalo Wild Wings watching the game and getting drinks. Like <laughs> this dude has been unreal. I love watching this guy pitch. He has been so much fun to watch pitch because he does one thing exceptionally well. He does his job. He does his job to an exceptional level. When you look at a starting pitcher, you want a guy that's going to go deep into a game. You want a guy that's going to limit runs and you want a guy that's going to give you the best chance at winning a ball game, which any of you guys disagree with those three points. Like I want, I want a guy that's going to go deep into a game to save my bullpen. Cause I don't want my bullpen to get overworked in a 162 game season. Well, he's done that in spades as he's leading the league in innings pitched is he limiting runs well he has an ERA of 1.76 and a plus of 233 and even wins wise i mean he's still nine and three which by the way again yeah, wins means nothing but he's doing everything in his power to win ball games he's already also had 123 strikeouts with only 33 walks and has only given up six homers on the season like Come on. Also, by the way, we're halfway through the season and he hasn't even given up 100 hits yet. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't even given up 100 hits. That's kind of um, amazing. So, yeah. Sorry, Johnny Gonsolin. You have done also a good job, but right now you're getting Verlander. It's it's Alcantara.
0: Yeah, and Gonsolin also had a rough start his last time out against the Cardinals. So this sort of puts... Alcantara in the driver's, the driver's seat, in my opinion. You know, when I think of guys who go deep into games or innings eaters, say the least, or a workhorse, I think of guys like Jamie Moyer or Mark Burley or Bartolo Colon, guys who are like soft tossers, primarily throw fastballs, not very hard. Alcantara is a guy who can not only work seven, eight innings every time out, but he has 100 in the back pocket. You know, maybe he doesn't have the strikeout rate of, you know, a, a guy like McClanahan, but this guy, just yes, he throws heat. He averages over seven innings per start. I mean, as a guy who plays Stratomatic baseball a lot, you know, I, I have the 2019 deck and very few pitchers, if any, have a seven inning uh, capability, you know, where you, after a certain in the game, uh, depending on your innings limit, you you start having strikeouts that turn into hits. Very few people can get into the seventh inning without that happening. Alcantara could probably work seven, eight innings before that happens. I mean, he's just a freak, really. So I think he's he's the easy pick here. Burns, Gonsolin, all kind of hanging in the background. And Burns having another fantastic season. So that, yeah. So Alcantara is our easy pick, and then we're going to move on to the MVPs. American League, I think – actually, I'm going to say in both leagues, it's kind of tough to pick a winner, honestly. Uh, Who who do you guys have in the American League?
1: The American League, it's tough because on one hand, you have Aaron Judge, who is the best player on the best team, and that is the standard – in the big four sports that if you're the best player on the best team, you're going to be. And, and sometimes most of the time, this is true, but then you look around the league and there are competitors from all walks of life. You have a player that does not play in the field in Jordan Alvarez. You have Shohei Otani who is doing a lot of the things he did last year. And there was a stat that he had in his last like 40 days had an OPS over a thousand and an ERA under one, something like that. And he's throwing a ton of innings and taking a ton of plate appearances. So that's no like Mickey Mouse, like stat. You have Rafi Devers, who's been tremendous for Boston. You have guys like Jose Ramirez. And it is a fun discussion to have. And I do like having an MVP MVP race that there are multiple correct answers, at least to the halfway point. We had a very quick discussion with rookies of the year, uh, Cy Young's. But the, the MVP conversation is certainly more nuanced, and it's a it's great that baseball has this. And, and then when we get to the National League in a little bit, I think it's a little bit less of a – not necessarily fun conversation, but less of a conversation. certainly still is a conversation, but it's not quite as uh, chaotic as it is in the American League. But I think you can make a solid case for Aaron Judge. You can make a solid case for Jordan Alvarez. You can make a solid case for Rafi Devers. You can make a solid case for Jose Ramirez. Uh, Mike Trout, you know, despite being honestly not Mike Trout this year, it's been weird. It's it's like the Soto thing that oh he's not playing that well. He still has an OPS plus of 170. So I think I would roll with Judge right now. I would be surprised if Judge didn't get like if MLB.com did a poll of their writers. Aaron Judge is probably the American League MVP, um, and I think Judge is a pretty safe pick right now.
2: While I agree that Judge is a fantastic pick, and I think one that's honestly is there, I'm in between him and one other player. And this goes back to a conversation that we had at the end of the season last year. This is about the definition of the award. The award itself is the MVP, the most valuable player. And this is a, a rant I think I've probably gone on now about 10 too many times at this point. And for me, the answer, as much as I would like to say, Judge, as much as I would like to say Jordan, uh, in that special way of Jordan, but for me, it's Shohei. As much as you know, Shohei is not having as great of a year as he did last year. Th- the problem I have right now is that the award name is most valuable player. Jordan Alvarez as a hitter. If we're looking at just hitting, just hitting, Jordan is my vote. Jordan does hitting exceptionally well. He is one of the best hitters I've seen in a while, and, you know, kudos to him. Aaron, as like, uh, Rafi Devers, again, amazing hitter defensively, you know, does his job, does his needs, fantastic. He's number three right now for me. And then there's Judge. And this is where the, the this is where it gets a little bit chaotic. Because Judge does do two things, and so does so does um, Otani. Otani hits and pitches. Tr- uh, judge hits and fields, and that's where the conversation gets weird. What do you value more, a decent pitcher or a decent fielder? Because, or are should say, a good pitcher versus a good fielder. At that point, what do you value more? Because hitting-wise, yeah. Judge is definitely better. I value pitching. Like I would rather have, like, if I'm being able to like, you know, pick my two for two at Wendy's, I'm picking, you know, a pitch, a person that I can hit and pitch more than hit, more than hit and field. But at that same time, Judge is right now hitting better than Otani. Judge is feeling better than Otani, but that's not saying anything as it's not saying anything to say that Otani is pitching better than Judge. So it's really close. I do say right now Otani just because of that, but I would also not be surprised at all if Judge is that is that pick because of the fact that he is doing those two things and Ohtani isn't. Uh, and Ohtani isn't doing those two things that he does do at the same level like he was last year. So right now, it's close. I really could be swayed either way, but if I had to pick one right now, gun to my head, I'm going Ohtani.
0: Man, that is... This is definitely tough because of all of those worthy cannons. That's the that Judge is leading in homers. Alvarez, I think, has been the best all-around hitter this year. And actually, Alvarez, despite not really playing the field, has a higher war in fewer games than Judge. So it really makes you think. Because also, Devers is having a huge year, like you said. Jose Ramirez is having a huge year. Trout, even even in a down year, Trout's been great. Trout was leading that MLB.com writer's poll until his slump. So, oh, man, this is, this is really tough because Altani. Has been on an absolute tear lately. Remember, he got off to a bit of a slow start. I mean, his OPS is back up to 835, 19 homers, 10 steals, 15 doubles, two triples, 56 RBIs. And then you have him on the mound, 9 and 4 with a 2380 ERA, 123 strikeouts in 87 innings, 2.27 pip, 0.989 whip. That's a 12.7 Ks per nine. I mean, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. In addition to lately been being one of the hottest hitters in baseball, so in my opinion, I think Otani is my front runner. I understand the Angels have not been good. In fact, the Angels are six and zero in Otani's last six starts, while they're six in twenty six, I believe, in games started by every other pitcher. So, I think that alone says it like how much he means to the Angels. So, I think I have Otani won. I'm going to go Alvarez narrowly ahead of Judge for second, Judge third, Devers fourth. So the the AL is loaded, and then you move on to the, the NL. And for a while, I thought there was a slam dunk winner, but upon a second glance, the front runner I think we all have has sort of come down to earth lately. That being said, he's still having a huge year. So who do you guys have in the National League?
1: The National League is fun, and I actually got some criticism a couple months ago when I said this certain uh, first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt, would be coming back down to earth. The batted ball data was not, you know, he was not tearing the cover off the ball. It was obviously great, don't get me wrong, but there is a difference between like a Jordan Alvarez, who is actually underperforming his batted ball data, believe it or not, and a guy like Paul Goldschmidt who is overperforming his batted ball data. So I would say right now Goldschmidt is the MVP, and I'm totally cool with that. He he leads the National League in um, batting average, on base slugging, OPS, OPS plus. So he has the triple slash, the actually important uh, stats. Leads the National League in runs. He's tied with uh, Tommy Edmond right now, and it's just an all around impressive season. And he's been his usual you know solid defensive self at first base, um, and I'm. Uh, yeah, he's savvy with the stolen bases. He's five for five and steals. However, if we are predicting for the rest of the season, I don't think it will be Goldschmidt. I would take the field. I made a take on the U stadium app that Alonzo would have more MVP votes by the end of the season. But I would say it's the MVP right now. You can make an argument for. Um, actually, Nolan Arenado is tied for the, the league lead in uh, baseball reference war with Goldschmidt, um, Manny Machado did miss some time with injury. Mookie Betts missed some time with injury. Uh Dansby Swanson or uh, Austin Riley, if you want to choose a brave. Uh Pete Alonso is that clutch factor. I believe he's among the league leaders in like win probability added, clutch uh, uh championship win probability added, stuff like that. If you buy into that, uh Juan Soto is still having a monster season. And if he if he's a guy that gets back to his expected stats, he could very well be in a 2021 situation that he's, you know, unconscious for three months and nearly wins the MVP that way. But as of right now, I think it's Goldie.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm on the same uh, path as you here, Splash. I think that Goldie has just done so unbelievably well. And do I think that it could come down to earth a lot more? Yeah, I do. But at the same time for right now, Paul Goldschmidt has done, absolutely unreal things right now 4.8 or but the biggest have to come out to me really are his on-base percentage at 414 like those are numbers that give billy b nightmares like 414 on-base percentage and then an OPS of over a thousand is just insane like watching him play baseball watching him really return to this unreal form that he's had has been nothing short of fun to watch so i mean yeah i think that are also deserves a little bit of talk on some of this especially with, with an ops at 885 and a war of just under five um machado is also another name that was brought up a little bit even though and will be the show thinks that he deserves to be only an 87 overall but i think over right now if i had to pick one right now it's goldie goldie has Done exceptionally well. Is it probably going to go down a little bit? Yeah, probably. But I think overall that right now, if I had to pick one, I'm going with the first baseman. First baseman Paul Goldschmidt.
0: I mean, I'm I'm really looking. Thing is that even in Goldschmidt's like sort of, I I, I don't know what the term is. Like you know, his slump, quote unquote. His OPS is a thousand four. And second place is Freddie Freeman at 927. (laughs) So, considering the offensive environment of baseball this season, I mean, a 186 OPS plus, 330, 414, 590, triple slash, 20 homers. He just hit his 300th career homer. It took him a while to do it, but just hit his 300th career homer. 70 RBIs, 28 doubles, 4.8 RWAR. war. I mean, it's... I, I think it's him. You know, it, it has to be. You know, I think Arenado, I mean, Arenado is also up there in more because his defense has been spectacular. He's 14 defensive runs saved. I Me mean, heck, he's a nine time gold glover, probably about to win his 10th at third base. So it's kind of hard, kind of hard not to consider Arenado. It's, it's hard to believe that neither of these guys have won MVP. Heck, Machado, the guy who's probably the third place guy right now hard to believe Machado hasn't won MVP like I feel like we're looking at three guys who very well could win their first MVPs in their illustrious careers uh, all these guys who are all-stars this year so Goldie's definitely my number one I'd probably say Arenado too and then really there's a bunch of guys you can consider along with Machado like Austin Riley like Freddie Freeman. I would say Pete Alonzo, although Alonso slumped a little bit lately, but Alonzo would be up there too. Uh, it's really a shame Bryce Harper got hurt because I think really it could have been a, another showdown between Harper and another player this time, Goldschmidt, and also Juan Soto. Soda. Juan Soto's heated up and done really well. And so it, it, it's, it's tough. It's tough here. But I think Goldschmidt is ahead for now, and I, I'm curious to see if he holds on to this lead. I'm also curious to see how the rest of the guys do throughout the year. I think Betts also would have been a front runner, but he slumped and he got injured. So that sort of takes away his luster. So anyways, that covers all of the awards and everything we were going to talk about today. Gentlemen, any final thoughts before we close out today's show?
1: Um, I'm looking at NL MVP odds and I want you to take a guess at which, uh, corner infielder Sandy Alcantara is tied with in terms of odds.
0: Pete Alonzo. Uh,
1: a lot, Matt, well, that's not close. Alonzo is third. He's plus 700. Alcantara is at a good plus 10,000. Any other guesses? Um,
2: uh, it's uh, you said another corner outfielder nor corner right. in what yeah uh goldie
1: uh goldie is plus 100 alcantara is plus john outfielder. birdie okay not that low okay he <laughs> is not an all-star Zara not an all-star
0: josh yes. bell
1: josh bell is an all-star
0: josh bell is not an all-star this year
1: he's definitely definitely is an all what
0: Josh I Bell, did, I'm pretty sure is not an all-star this year. Hey, I am, Unless he was named recently.
1: I believe he is.
2: No, I think I actually was watching. I think I saw that as name. Oh, wait, no, no.
0: That was Garrett Cooper. Garrett Cooper got added.
2: Okay. That is entire that is
1: entirely BS that Josh <laughs> Bell is not an all-star. He has murdered the Braves the last week, and he has better stats than everyone that was an all-star. Besides like Soto and Machado like that. Okay. That's actually annoying. Uh, But the correct answer is Matt Olson. They're both plus 10,000, which is kind of sad that Alcantara is having this all-time, all-time great pitching season. And he's plus 10,000 to win the MVP. Okay. Horrifying. That's my last. And Bryce Harper's plus 15,000. Also, Marcelo Zuna is plus (laughs) 15,000. Uh. uh, Nick Castellanos is plus 25,000. Jacob deGrom, plus 50,000. How good would Jacob deGrom have to put to the back? house. Okay. If Jacob deGrom just came back immediately after the All-Star break and didn't allow a run for the duration of the season, but he was going like eight innings every start, would he win the MVP?
0: Uh, you could make the I case.
2: You doubt- he, he made the case, but it, I but... doubt it, though. Yeah, just the salt that if he didn't play the full season.
1: Okay. Uh a Suzuki is 50,000 to one. So is Chris Bryant and a notable Nationals fan, uh, Trent Grisham.
2: Anyway, <laughs> um, I have two notes. I will say at the end of this, um, the first of which I am very excited to see Julio in the home run derby tomorrow. Um, that is going to make me very happy. And along that same exact note, the last Mariner, to appear in the Home Run Derby was Brett Boone all the way back in 2001. Hooray. So fun times. Um, you know what else happened in 2001 there, Alex? Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, Splash. The Braves won a playoff series. That's definitely
2: what I was going for. Splash, I'm going to ratio you anyway. <laughs> um, And the other thing I will say is I will forever be thinking uh, – Jesse Winker, for punching out Phil Nevin. So thank you very much. You have saved the Mariners' season by throwing punches.
0: I mean, Jesse Winker is a man I would – I I need Jesse Winker to be on the Mets at some point in his career. That's all I need. He's just
2: – I legitimately I, want there to be like a one-day trade where like you know, the Mets trade like, you know – How funny would it be to have like one day trades in baseball, where that'd be ridiculous. But yes, one do like a one day trade to say like I don't know Winker for I don't know I was about to say Alonzo but I don't think that's fair. That'd
0: Uh, be ridiculous.
2: Just do like a one day they just see what happen just to give people a reason to to buy jerseys that makes sense. (laughs)
0: <laughs> i mean i, yeah, I no, would I, mean, I would love to see a winker masters that'd be hilarious i, I would buy one of those immediately um oh, who wouldn't who wouldn't yeah but um yeah no i'm i mean you mentioned the homer derby i'm excited to see alonzo of course i'm excited to see albert pools give it a shot one more time uh the all-star game is gonna be fun you know obviously we have a lot of guys who are getting replaced but you know it it, it is what it is remember this is still a bit of a break for all these guys so They, I respect their decisions to opt out of it or they're, they want to keep their, stay away from getting injured, you know, I I respect it. So, anyways, that basically does it for us. Make sure, obviously, to keep tuning in every week. We will keep uploading weekly episodes. Uh, Thank you, obviously, to Alex and Splash for coming on. Make sure to follow all of us on Twitter. You can follow Splash at Mr. Splashman19. You can follow Alex at the Sports Guy242. And you can follow myself at Matthias underscore A underscore K. And you can follow the baseball overtime heroics baseball department account at baseball underscore OTH. Guys, keep tuning in and we'll keep putting out that content. It's been a blast, obviously. Great first half. So everyone, enjoy your all-star break. Enjoy all the all-star festivities. And I hope to see you all real soon.